Good morning, church. How are we? Good, good. I'm so glad you're here. As you guessed, we're going to finish out chapter 5 in Ephesians this morning. Um, And before we do that, again, let me remind you, if you're here and you don't own a Bible, um, we would love as a church the opportunity to give you one. So if you're here and you do not have a Bible, we have a table in the back uh, that has a couple black hardback Bibles on it. If you could... um, on your way out. There's no strings attached to this, but if you don't have a Bible, please consider one of those your own. Go grab one, take it home with you. It is yours. No strings attached. Um, It has been such a privilege as a a church to nearly, I think we've given away nearly uh, uh, an entire carton, which that's a win, church. I've had so many conversations of people that we've been able to bless with a Bible and That is good stuff. So if you need a Bible, please consider one of those yours. We believe it's important that as you come here and you hear things taught from this stage, that you know that it's not coming from a person, but that it's coming from this. So we think it's important to have one of these in your hands. So please uh, go grab one. I know that some of you guys have electronic ones and they're not as cool, but you know, (laughs) that'll work. That'll work. Um, all right, so let's, let's dive in. Let me do, as, as we do this, let me do this. Let me provide a simple framework for where we've been. Uh, we are right in the middle of a series where we're looking at the book of Ephesians. So let me provide kind of a simple outline. So the first three chapters, Ephesians 1 through 3, what Paul does is he lays out, he paints this picture of a beautiful, breathtaking theology. He paints this picture of what we call, or what he calls the mystery of Christ. The mystery of Christ that there is no longer separation in Christ between people. That because of Christ, we are one. And Paul says we are chosen, we are redeemed, adopted, we're perfectly forgiven. We stand shoulder to shoulder with with people who who are uh, sinners just like us, saved by grace. That this is the mystery, the beautiful work of, of God, that, that God through his love, that God through his love, uh, through the work of Christ, through the power of the Spirit, that we are one in him, uh, one in all types of backgrounds and walks of life, that we come together united in Christ, the mystery of the church. Uh, and this is the gospel. And if we were to read Ephesians with one set of lenses on, it needs to be this. The book of Ephesians is all about the gospel. It's all about this. Chapters 1 through 3, Paul lays out for us this beautiful theology. Now, a shift takes place in chapter 4. All right, in chapter 4, he moves from, whereas 1 through 3 talks about the doctrine, well, chapter 4 through 6 really talks about the practical implications of living out that doctrine. So the outline for Ephesians, you have one through three, it's very, he paints this picture of the beautiful doctrine of the gospel of Christ. Um, And then four through six says, now in light of that, here's where you go. Here's how you live. Here's how you walk it out. Um, That the gospel should impact the way that we live and that our actions really flow out of a response to the gospel. Um, And so We are going to continue on this morning in this. We're right in the middle. uh, We're on chapter five right now. So we're right in the middle of the second section. Uh, And we're going to actually start a series within a series this morning. 
So our big series, Ephesians. But for the next three weeks, we're going to look at uh, the end of chapter 5 and also into chapter 6. And we are going to break this down into a little three-week mini-series where we are going to dive into three parts of our society. Marriage, family, and work. Marriage, family, and work. And in each of these three areas, Paul is going to lay out for us two things. Okay, one, God's gospel, and two, God's design. So remember, as I said, Ephesians is all about the gospel. Well, we'll in all of these three, in each of these three areas, God's going to lay out God's gospel. Paul's going to lay out God's gospel and then also God's design. Now, this is important for us. These next three weeks are really important because let me ask you a question. If you wanted to see your community radically transformed by the gospel, if you wanted to see Stone Oak completely changed by the gospel of Jesus Christ, where would you start? How would that happen? How would we see that kind of impact? What are the fundamental elements of our community? Well, their marriage, their family, and their work. In other words, uh, Paul is saying, let me show you the way that the gospel is going to reveal itself in these three areas, and then from that, let me show you the way that our community can be changed. Uh, We're calling this next three weeks, Mystery Made Visible. Because the mystery of Christ that we've talked about is going to make itself visible over the next three weeks in these three areas. Um, so right off the bat, let me, let me set the stage for us. The point of the next three weeks is not for you to walk out of here with an awesome marriage. I mean, that would be great, but... Uh, The point of this next three weeks is not for you to walk out with great kids, great parenting skills, or be a better employee or employer, all of these things. Again, not negative things. If that's a byproduct, great. But that is not our point. The point of the next three weeks is for each one of us to see the gospel more clearly, and from that, that we would become better at allowing the gospel to overflow into our marriages our families, and our jobs, um, that they would better reflect the gospel. And I say this because it's important because you don't have to be married for this week to be incredibly important for you. This is not a marriage conference. Um, You don't have to have little children running around uh, for when we talk about parenting for it to make a difference for you because this is not a parenting conference. You don't even have to be employed for this to make a difference for you. Um, This is for all of us to see, to better see the good news of Christ and to better apply it. That's the goal. That's the goal for us this morning. So uh, as we begin, I want to start this in a little bit of a unique way. I want to give you something to have in your mind as we work through this this text, okay? Uh, So remember that in chapter 4, there was a shift And in chapter 4, it starts to shift into this practical implications of living out the gospel. Well, from chapter 4 through our text today, um, from my count, there are 67 unique commands, unique instructions, unique imperatives. Paul says, in response to the gospel, because this is true, do this or don't do this. There are 67 in a span of 53 verses. Okay? Okay. 
Let me give you a bit of a visual on this, all right? So in response to the gospel, here is what you need to do. Are you ready? All right, let's see it. That's it. We could just pray and go home. I'll send this to you in an email, and we could just go home, right? In response to the gospel, this is what it looks like to walk it out. Now, what this is, for those of you who may be listening online and don't know what we're laughing at, um, what I basically have done is taken all 67 of these instructions, and I uh, severely decreased their font and cramped so that they'll cram into one screen. So what we're looking at is, is from side to side, top to bottom, uh, a, a group of really small text that just lays out all 67 of these things. That means what we are to do as followers of Jesus. That's what we're looking at. Are, are you overwhelmed? Yeah. yeah. There's a popular quote by uh, Creighton Abrams that's applicable for us. He says, when eating an elephant, you take one bite at a time. Right, which I thought was weird because we don't typically eat elephants. So I don't know why that's the quote. But anyway, the meaning of it stands. It's pretty clear that when you are faced with something huge, something at first glance seems overwhelming, one bite at a time. One bite at a time. So uh, now... I want you to keep that in your mind. Hopefully, that's going to make sense when we land this plane later. Uh, but keep that in your mind as we dive in. Having said that, let's dive in. Verse 22. Uh, Paul says, Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord, for the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, his body, and is himself its Savior. Now, as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit to everything uh, in everything to their husbands. So obviously Paul is shifting and he's beginning to deal specifically with the marital relationship. All right, and he, he's going to start with the ladies. Ladies first, right? He's going to start with the wives. Now what is his message to the wives? Well, it's this dirty little word, submit. It's this, this word that could conjure up Quite a bit of negative imagery in our mind. From a domineering man who's lording over, it could conjure up all kinds of images. How about this? The thing I think of when I think of submit is a wrestler in a ring, like a submission hold, tapping out someone. This is not a positive thing, right? It conjures up these kinds of images. This is a dirty word that flies into the face of modern feminism in a massive way. It flies into the face of individualism. It is just this word, submit. Uh, now, before our prejudice kind of clouds our opinion of this text, I want us to look at it, okay? Uh, let's start. Wives are told to submit to your own husbands. Uh, this is important because it's notice it's not to men in general. Just right off the bat. Uh, wives are told to submit to their own husbands. So in other words, this isn't a call, ladies, to just be under submission to all men. That's not, don't let this verse be used in that way. It's a call to submit to your own husbands in the context of marriage. More than that, also, it's a submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. Notice, it's not as though they were Lord. Okay, so... Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord, and that's important. Um, follow me so far? No. Um, 
It's a command to submit to your own husbands as unto the Lord, and your submission is not to be done out of force or dominance or a heavy hand, but as unto the Lord, meaning voluntarily from love, right? And that in all of this, it's to be done under the understanding that submission in the context of marriage to your own husband is done in an act of, as an act of worship before God. Uh, Verse 23 in this says, for the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, his body, and is himself its savior. Listen, this text is not saying, men, that you are your wife's savior. uh, She only has one of those. This is not what this text says. This is a reference to Christ. Men, you share in common headship with Christ. You share that in common. Um, But Christ stands alone as your wife's Lord and Savior. Okay, Christ, that's Christ's role, not not yours. And so again, wife, uh, your submission is to be done, understanding that submitting to your husband will bring glory to God. Uh, why? Why is the wife told, called to submit? Well, because Paul says the husband is the head. Now, what does that mean? Biblical headship means that the husband will bear a responsibility before the Lord for the way he loved and the way he leads the family. Now, um, husbands, take that in. We're about to get to you. It can be a preview a little bit of what's to come. But as the head, biblical headship means that there is a good and healthy order in the marital relationship, that there's a good order. Um, now, one more clarification before we move uh, about this, this word submit. Um, submit does not imply inequality. Submission does not imply inequality, meaning husband, your value is no more than your wife, and wife, you're no, your value is no less than your, your husband. Uh, you both equally bear the image of God, You both stand on equal ground before the Lord through Christ. Um, Through Christ, remember, we read this. There is no longer, what was it, Jew, Gentile, slave nor free, male nor female. What does that mean? It means that through Christ, we are one. Submission does not imply inequality, but simply a difference in roles. Let me give you a practical example of this. As Christians, we strongly hold... I mean strongly hold uh, to the fact that we worship, we serve a triune God, meaning we believe in the Trinity, God the Father, God the Son, God the Spirit, all God, all equal, all distinct, all one, right? God the Trinity. Amen? Amen. Amen. Let's say amen to this one. We believe this. We hold to this. Now, is God the Son less than the Father? Let's say no, No. boldly. Is the spirit less than the son? No. No. They are equal. They are God. Yet, hear me, the Bible clearly paints that there is submission within the Godhead. There is submission in the Godhead that Christ submits to the Father, that the spirit submits to Christ, and submission cannot, does not mean inequality because if it did, The Son, the Spirit, the Father would not be equal, and they are. Um, That's not the case. Submission implies a difference in roles, not in equality. 
Uh, 1 Corinthians 11.3 echoes what I'm saying. It says, uh, Paul says this, but I want you to understand that the head of every man is Christ, the head of a wife is her husband, and the head of Christ is God. Headship and submission does not imply inequality between men and women. I'll put it like this. Submission is a tool. Now, let me unpack that. Uh, It's a tool that is not meant to be used for evil, but it's a tool to accomplish the two things. Remember at the beginning, I said Paul was going to lay before us that, um, that the gospel or that these things show God's design or God's gospel and God's design. Well, Let's start with that first one. Submission is a tool to showcase God's gospel. Submission is a tool to showcase the gospel. Just as Christ submit to the Father, he came, paid the price for you. He took your sin, the wrath of God, on your behalf, right? Um, This was ultimate submission on display for all of the world to see. The gospel of Christ is a story of grand, great submission. Um, And submission in marriage is designed, as you read here, to proclaim the gospel. In other words, the, the world should look at our church and see, and when they see our marriages, they should see Jesus. It's meant to proclaim the gospel, to broadcast, to showcase it, to to draw people to Christ. And this is why Paul ties everything back to Christ. Um, You're going to notice as we go through our text the next couple weeks that everything that Paul calls us to do, he follows it with a, as Christ, just as Christ. He ties everything back to the gospel. Why? Because everything goes back to the gospel because marriage is meant to tell a story that is beyond simply a man and a woman. It's meant to showcase, broadcast, be a billboard for the gospel. We're going to talk about this in a little bit more, but um, biblical submission is meant to showcase God's gospel. Second though, uh, it's meant to be a tool to showcase God's design. Um, A tool to showcase God's design for marriage. There is a biblical order, and again, it's not based on merit or importance. Simply based on design, going back to the first man and woman in the garden. That there is a design an intended design for the marital relationship, where the, whereas the husband is the head and whereas the wife is to submit and respect her husband's headship. Um, now, uh, I want to just hit a little bit of a pause button before we go further because this can bring up all kinds of really difficult questions really difficult questions. Um, what do I do if my husband's not a believer? What do, if, what do I do if my husband is abusive or absent? Um, what do I do if my husband just is not leading in the way? What do I do as a wife in this situation? Um, these can be incredibly difficult questions. And if you're here, if you're listening to this and you're in one of these difficult situations right now, um, first, I am sorry. Uh, My heart breaks as I see this. Something that is meant to be so beautiful, this marriage, 
uh, to see it strained and falling apart, going away from the beautifully intended design. It breaks my heart. And if that's you, first of all, no, I am so sorry. Um, I am not going to give you a one-size-fits-all solution here in this moment to every situation that you find yourself in. Um, but I am going to give you a, a step. Seek help. Seek counsel. Seek wisdom. Seek advice. Um, I'll never forget, I knew a lady who was in a previous church um, and for years, she endured. She was on the wrong end of, of an extremely physical and verbally abusive husband who lorded over her, her. There was a lot of fear uh, in this relationship. And because of the fear, she didn't speak up. She didn't seek help. She suffered in silence for years and years in fear and in confusion, and she didn't know what to do, so she did nothing. If you're here and you are in one of these complex situations, seek help. Um, God's word is true, regardless of the situation you find yourself in. Regardless, God's word is true no matter where you are in this moment. So our responsibility is to get help, seek wisdom, so that we can take this and apply it to our lives in wisdom. So if that's you, um, seek help. As we do this, we showcase God's gospel, God's design in our marriage. But let's not end there. I need to move. Let's go to husbands. Ready? I heard a, a woman say ready, so that's, that's good. <laughs> Gives me great confidence. Let's look at verse 25. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word, so that he might present the church to himself in splendor without spot or wrinkle or any such thing that she might be holy and without blemish in the same way husbands should love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself, for no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes it and cherishes it, just as Christ does the church. Because we are members of his body, therefore a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. So, so husbands, you're called to love your wife as yourself. You're called to love your wife as Christ loved the church. You're called to love your wife as your own body. And some of you may be thinking, well, I don't love what I'm seeing right now, so that doesn't say much. But let me paint a picture for what this means. No one ever had to teach you to be selfish. No one ever had to teach you how to be really good at being selfish. Um, we've said this before, but no one has to teach a child how to be selfish. It's all natural. They, they come out this way. You never have to sit down and teach your, your son or daughter the word mine. <laughs> they just somehow, they got it. They got that one. Um, Paul says that no, no one ever hates his own flesh, but naturally cher cherishes it nourishes it. 
And in here, men, Paul is calling you to love your wives with that kind of love, effortless love. Paul's painting a picture of selfless love. Why? Uh, because, again, like biblical submission, selfless love is a tool. And it's a tool to showcase two things. Hopefully you know what these two things are by now. First, it's a tool to showcase God's gospel. Think about it. Jesus did not have to do what he did for you. He did not, God did not have to provide a way of salvation for you. Um, but Christ, through his love, willingly gave himself up for you. You realize that? He gave himself for you. Why? Our text says to cleanse you, purify you, wash you, to present you before God perfect and blameless. In other words, Jesus gave himself for you so that you're able to stand before God blameless. He was broken for the broken. He died so that you can live. He laid himself down so that you can stand, right? Selfless love. The gospel is a story of selfless love and our marriages again, church, by design, are to showcase the gospel. They're to showcase the gospel. When the world looks at our marriages, they should be drawn to Christ. Uh, why, husbands, are you to pour yourself out and sacrifice yourself for your wife? Because Jesus poured himself out for you and sacrificed himself for you. This is a gospel-centered marriage, and it's showcasing, broadcasting the gospel in such a powerful, powerful way. Men, if you treat your wives like this, you will have many opportunities to share the gospel because you will be asked why. This broadcast, this, show, this is a tool to proclaim God's gospel. Second, it's a tool to proclaim God's design. Uh, as we've already said, God does have a specific design for marriages. And men, your role in that design and the thing that you need to pour yourself into, the thing you need to give yourself to is selfless love. Um, and if you do this, you are following after God's design for marriage. I've never met a wife who has complained that her husband loved her too selflessly. Never seen that happen. Why? Because it is God's perfect design. It's the way we're supposed to operate in, in marriage. So, wives, you showcase God's gospel and God's design as you submit to your husband's headship. Husbands, you showcase God's gospel and design as you love your wife, as you love yourself. Now, remember we started and I put that ridiculous amount of text on the screen uh, of those 67 things that Paul says, hey, if you want to live this out, here's how you do it. Here's how you walk this out. Remember that all of those commands were for the church in general, right? So um, all of the things on that screen were for all of us. All of these things were for all of us. For the church. Paul is saying, this is what it looks like to walk in the Spirit. This is what it looks like to be light and to, be, to put on the new self. This is what it, it looks like. Each of these instructions are for the church as a whole. Now, 
Let me be honest. Um, maybe you'll notice something as, as you look at this text. Now, I don't have references with it, um, but in, in verse, uh, chapter 5, verse 21, Paul calls us to mutual submission one to another, meaning everyone is called as a follower of Jesus to mutual submission one to another. What's the, what's the reasoning that Paul highlights it here? Um, here's another one. Uh, verse five, or chapter 5, verse 2. Aren't we all called to walk in love? Isn't that kind of the gig? I mean, even if you pull out of Ephesians and you look at the New Testament, it is chocked full of instructions that, that tell us how to love each other as God loves us. Like, love your neighbor. You, you get it? This is just a part of what it means to follow Christ, right? So what is so special about our text today? If we're all called to do these things, why is it so important that, that the husband and wife focus in on these two things that we're supposed to be doing as followers of Jesus anyway? What is going on here? Um, I would like you to think about it like this. I want you to imagine that uh, Paul is doing a bit of premarital counseling in his church office. All right? Think of it. He's doing a little bit of premarital counseling in his office. Um, he has this, uh, future, this bride and groom, and they're sitting in his office, and they're looking at this, and they're, they're, uh, that look of overwhelmed is on their face, you know? And they're looking at this, this list and, and they're wondering, you know, where do we even, where do we even start? Um, Paul is saying, I want you to think of it like this, that he's saying, bride, hear me. The most important thing that you can do, the most in, important place for you to, to start to please God in your marriage. And it's like Paul takes a highlighter. And he goes, you know what? Let me highlight this right here. Submit to one another. Submit to one another. It's like Paul takes this highlighter and says, focus here, bride. Focus here. Because if you do this, you're going to showcase the gospel. If you do this, you're going to have a gospel-centered marriage, and you're going to be walking out God's beautiful design for your marriage. Uh, Wives, um, Brides, start here. Now, does this get you off the hook? Well, good. Now I don't have to love him. I just have to do that. Of course not. Of course not. Um, But wives, start here. And when you start here, you're going to showcase the gospel in your marriage. And you're going to showcase God's intended design for your marriage. Then he turns to the men and and uh, he looks at the, husband, or the, the groom and he says, you know the most important place for you to start? You know the thing that you need to pour yourself out to, to dedicate yourself to? And he grabs his highlighter again and he highlights, walk in love. Let me just highlight that for you, groom. Start here. Start here. Um, Does this mean that mutual submission is now off the table for you? You'll never, ever need to submit to your wife in any way, shape, or form? Of course not. Of course not. Um, If you believe that when you get married, you will never, ever, ever, ever have to submit to anything that your wife ever tells you again. 
get some premarital counseling. <laughs> All right? Why? Because submission, mutual submission, is a part of love. It's a part of marriage. Here's the key, though. In all of that, all of the mutual submission, men, it happens under your headship. And so, men, you start with walking in love. There was that silly quote about an elephant. So, so Paul says, husbands and wives, here's the first bite. Here's the first bite. Um, now, um, I have to move. Verses 32 through 33 is a great summary. It says this, this mystery is profound. And I am saying that it refers to Christ and the church. Uh, remember, everything in Ephesians seems to come back to the gospel. Well, here it is. Um, it refers to Christ and the church. It's the mystery of Christ. And then 33, it says, However, let each one of you love his wife as himself, and let the wife see that she respects her husband. It's this summary conclusion statement. Um, let me get a little practical for you with you this morning. So there was a great book that came out called Love and Respect. It's a, it's a marriage book that was written directly out of what we're looking at this morning, this text. It's called Love and, and Respect. It's an exceptional book, uh, really helpful. And in this book, Dr. Egridge, um takes a couple, he, he talks about a couple cycles that happen in your marriage. All right. Um, he calls the first the crazy cycle, and he calls the second the energizing cycle. So let me let, me let you see what the crazy cycle looks like. Um, okay, so this is what he calls the crazy cycle, um, which is this. Men, without love, she reacts, and without respect, he reacts. It's this vicious on and on downward and downward it goes. It's this cycle, right? It's called the crazy cycle. Um, now, many of us know what this feels like, where you feed off each other in this horribly negative way, and you just, okay? Um, the second cycle he calls the energizing cycle. Let's look at what this looks like. Um, so, so here, he says, men, uh, his love motivates her respect, which motivates his love. So whereas that first one went down, this one, you're feeding off each other and on and on and up and up and up it goes. And it's this beautiful cycle. Um, now, this Dr. Eggridge does a great job because what he says is in our marriages, we typically find ourselves somewhere in between these two cycles. Um, and so he identifies a third cycle. Let's look at this. The third cycle says this. His love, regardless of her respect, her respect regardless of his love. Um, he calls this cycle the rewarded cycle, which I wish he would have consulted me because it's not. He just missed it with his title. Um, for me, this is Grace. This is just grace. We'll call it the grace cycle. No offense to Dr. Eggridge. We'll call this the grace cycle because in this system, men, you show grace to your wife. 
Wife, you show grace to your husband, giving them what is in some, sometimes undeserved. This is grace. Um, hear me. You are saved by grace alone. Amen? You are saved by grace alone, that while you were dead in your sin, while you were lost in your sin, Jesus died for you. That re- he loved you regardless of your rebellion. Right? Um, this is grace. This is the gospel. And it, this is the important part of this message. So if you hear nothing but this, hear this. You were strangers from God. You were in judgment. You were lost and apart from Christ. You had no hope in life or death. None. You were dead, dead in your sin. But God, being rich in love, in mercy, um, showed grace upon grace to you. And Jesus came willingly into this world, lived a perfect life, and endured dying a gruesome death, took your place, took your sin in exchange, gave you his life and his perfection. It's this beautiful exchange. This is the gospel. And Jesus rose. He conquered it all. And now there is victory through him. This is the mystery of Christ. And this is what Ephesians is all about. This is what Ephesians is all about. If, do you know the mystery? If, you, if, you, if not, you need to start here. You have to start here. If you don't know Christ, you come to him because in him there is love, hope, peace. There is salvation. There is rest in him. It won't work to model your marriage after the gospel if you do not know or believe the gospel. We have to start here with the gospel of Jesus. For those of you who do know Christ in this room, and if you're married, now you get to showcase the gospel in your marriage. You get to showcase that to the world. You get the opportunity to have a grace-laced marriage, Um, a gospel-driven marriage. It's all about the gospel, and it's us being better at applying it to our lives and our marriages. Um, I want to say this, and this is a huge understatement. I know, um, but this is hard. Our marriages need work, and they need prayer. Um, And so I thought, it would be fitting for us to end this morning uh, simply praying for, praying together for our marriages. Uh, Church, would you stand with me, stand together? Uh, For those of you who are married in this room, as we pray over the next couple moments, I want you to do something very specific. Um, I want you to pray specifically for your relationship. Men, that you would be the man God's called you to be in your marriage. You would love her, that you would lead her, that you would love her as Christ loved you. Pray for your marriage specifically. Women, that you would pray that you'll be able to showcase the gospel in your marriage and that you will have a perfect and godly and biblical respect and submission to your husband's headship. And that together, would you just pray that you grow together in Christ? that you grow together in Christ and that together you're, you're able, your marriage is able to better reflect the gospel. So in, when we're praying, please don't just stand there. Um, engage in this prayer. If you're here with your spouse, that's, that's great. Pray together. 
I want to invite you to do that. Uh, but if you're here and you are uh, single in this room, you're not married, I'm going to say something that I think we need to say more often. Um, we need you. We, um, we need you. Our marriages are under attack, and we need your support. We need your prayer. Uh, in the next couple of minutes as we're praying, what I want to challenge you to do is to think specifically of a marriage. Maybe they're in this room. Think specifically about them. And as we, as we uh, pray, would you pray specifically for them? Here's the, here's the heart, that as a church, regardless of our stage or where we are in life, it doesn't matter. We are one. And if we know that our marriages are under attack, we are all called to take up arms through prayer. And so I want to challenge us as we end this morning to pray very directly and specifically for our marriages that they showcase the gospel to our community. This is how our community is going to be transformed by the gospel. Would you pray with me? God, I, I come to you, and, and first I thank you for your word. I thank you for the fact that everything we have, everything you've called us to comes out of an overflow of what you've done for us. I thank you that we serve a God who made a way. I thank you for your sacrifice, for sending your son to take my place, to give me life. And in the context of our marriages, I thank you that you have laid before us a way that we can bring you glory and honor, showcase your gospel. And I thank you that you've provided a way for us to live in the intended design that you had for marriage. I pray specifically for every marriage that is represented in this room and in our church. God, marriage is not easy. Putting two sinners in the room and asking them to be sanctified together, that is not an easy process, but it is your process that you've called us to. And so I pray for the marriages that are represented in this church and in this room. I pray specifically for the men. That husbands would be the men that you have called them to be. Love. Loving their wife. That their love never runs out because your love never ran out. And so it is a love upon love upon love that we love like you have loved us. What a calling. And I pray that you give us, give our men the ability to step in to that calling. God, I pray for our women, our wives in this room. And I, I pray that you give them the ability to see their husband the way you see them. That you would give them the ability to showcase the good news of the gospel through their marriage. That you would, out of a response for what 
Christ has done that you would give them the ability to submit in, in a godly submission, biblical submission to the headship of her husband. That together they grow in the way you intended them to grow, growing up into the Lord, being made perfect, made holy together. God, I pray for us as we leave here. I pray that you give us the ability to walk out and live out your word. More than that, though, I pray that you give us the ability, the eyes to see your gospel, to be more aware of your truth and what you have done so that we can better apply it to our lives. It's in your son's name we pray. Amen. Would you worship with us this morning?